What is up, you guys? This is Joe, and welcome to the Jesus Talks podcast. I'm so excited that you are here listening. Give me a follow if you want to. Give the podcast a listen if you want to. Everyone is family here. If you guys want to keep track of the podcast, updates on when the next posts are, and anything along those lines, you can follow me on Instagram at the Jesus Talks Podcast. If not, enjoy this episode. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Jesus Talks Podcast. This is Joe, and I'm alone this episode. I know the last one had a few guests. I hope you guys all enjoyed episode three, dealing with heartbreak. But this time it's it's just me and I'm actually recording this from a relatively new location. I'm in Tennessee right now and the Lord has been stirring something, stirring a word inside of me. And I wanted to take this episode just to speak that to you guys. And I think it's so funny and interesting that our last episode was was dealing with heartbreak because this episode is going to be talking about something a little bit different, and that's singleness. And it's funny that I chose to post heartbreak, so the end of a relationship before we talked about the beginnings and the before of a relationship, but we're going to go in reverse order today. So I just pray that you guys listen in, take some notes, and hopefully learn something. I know that I've been learning so much about singleness, but I also learned so much talking about it to you guys. And it's so good to discuss because it's not often discussed. So I decided to take this episode to do that. So the title of this episode is What You Need to Grasp in singleness. I know that we live in a culture that pushes the envelope when it comes to dating. Dating is imaged and portrayed as this wonderful thing that we all need to get to. It's like if you're single, you're not even single, you're just waiting to date someone. or You're waiting to be ready. Everything about singleness is always tailored and focused towards the relationship part of it. A lot of times we don't even see singleness as what we're in. We just see it as a season. Singleness is just the season before I find the person I'm going to date. And this just goes to show that we live in a culture that is so focused on romantic relationship. Now, notice how he didn't say it's so focused on relationship. He said romantic relationship. Because relationship is good. And don't get me wrong. Romantic relationship when done right with the right parameters is good as well. God calls us in relationship. Look into Genesis. Adam needed someone else. God has has crafted man and woman to be two completely different entities so that when they come together, they can help each other and bring things to the table that the other couldn't on their own. That's why God created marriage. That's why God created sex. That's why God built out all of these things for us in a relationship. But, and I am assuming most of the people listening to this are either in your teens, in your late teens, young adults, maybe some adults, but I know that's mostly my audience. 
but a lot of us are in this season where we haven't found that person yet or maybe you have found someone that you're dating either way i think this will be helpful and even if you are engaged and ready to get married and you found the person of your dreams that checks off all these boxes it's good to hear because you may have somebody come into your life that needs this kind of mentorship and this is more than just a sermon more than just a message more than just a podcast episode these are almost things that not almost these are definitely just things i wish had been taught to me before i ever even looked at a female but a lot of times the lord lets us learn harsh lessons so that we will be more susceptible to be able to minister and teach others and i love that the lord has put me through so much of this and then put me in a pastoral position because he said hey let me have you walk through all these things so that when you get to mentor and disciple those who are walking through them you can be the voice that you wish you had received and i love that about the lord but let's get right into it and like i said before this is what to grasp in our time of singleness before we start dating someone these are a lot of keys and a lot of points that you should be writing down and, and taking away with you and almost using as a checklist like do i have this do i have that because a lot of us are thinking about relationships just kind of waiting for that person but we should never be waiting in, in a place of complacency we should never be in a position where we're like okay i'm good i'm 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 good and steady. I'm just going to wait for a person to come along, but I'm going to stop trying to grow. I'm going to stop trying to pursue holiness. And I want to bring it immediately up with, with the first point that we have to have aim in everything we do. And in our singleness, we have to have aim. Now, what I mean by aim is you've heard of goals and goals are things that we have for our life, things that we want to achieve. Now, aim is the way in which we are going to achieve them. I like to think of a kicker in football. A kicker knows that if he kicks the ball and it goes through the the, the uprights, the posts, that he's going to be celebrated. He's gonna he's gonna get points for his team. That's that's the goal. But for him to be able to do that, he has to have aim. He has to have mechanics. He has to have technique. He has to know how to get the ball through the field goal post to score for his team. He can't just say, I want to score. I'm going to walk up and do it. He needs to have practice. And, and that's what aim looks like. And that's what we need in our singleness. That's what we're building in this podcast. And that's what we're building as we're developing as Christians. Because our goal is marriage. Receive that. Our goal is marriage. Our goal is not dating. Dating is not the field goal posts. That's marriage. Now, all the steps we take all of the developing and great growth we do and we receive and we have in our singleness is the things that are going to lead us to be successful and be able to reach that goal in a way that is plausible. Now, I want to dive into what our first point is. And the first point is one that you guys have all heard. And that is before anybody else, before anyone else enters our life, we need Jesus first. Now, you all know this. You guys are like, hey, I go to church. I read my Bible. I listen to this podcast. I follow a lot of a lot of TikTokers and, and Instagrammers. Yes, but we, we need to have Jesus, but not just have Jesus. We need to have intimacy with Jesus. And I want to look to John, the Gospel of John, in chapter 2. Now, before we talk about it, I'm going to give you a little setup. So Jesus is in his ministry he has began his ministry 
and he's at a wedding. He's at a wedding in Cana. Now, this is the 1 through 14 verses of chapter 2 where Jesus turns water into wine. We've all heard the story, but I think something we don't often focus on is verse 3 and 4. It says, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now we have to remember, because Jesus was baptized and claimed as the son of God, Jesus' mother Mary no longer holds that position in his life. She is no longer a mother figure because now Jesus is the son of God, so he is elevated in status. So a lot of the requests that she would have given when she was still his mother, now it's not the same way. Now Jesus no longer answers to Mary, he answers to God. So... When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Jesus said, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. And I think there's a beauty in this that we have to recognize. It's that when Jesus was accepted as the son of God, when, when he began to be obedient to the command of God, he is no longer in alignment with the word of others, with the command of others before the command of God. And it's a good thing that Mary wants him to do. Mary is saying, hey, these servants don't have wine. This is going to be social suicide if they don't get wine. That's what you have to understand because back then in weddings, weddings were huge events. Now, if the servants didn't have proper wine, the wine was like the main course. It was like the wedding cake. If the wine wasn't good or if there was no wine, that would be dishonor upon the bride and groom, also dishonor upon the servants. Like I said, it would literally be social suicide. This is an important thing. And Mary's not bringing it to Jesus saying, hey, can you buy me a new dress? She's saying, hey, can you help these people because you're a helper? And Jesus, we know that he's a helper and he's a healer and he wants to help. But Jesus says, hey, my hour has not yet come yet. Now, what he means by this is, hey, I'm so in tune with the spear. I'm so in tune with my father that I know he hasn't willed me to work in this way yet. And he's able to say this because Jesus has this intimacy with the father to where he is waiting for the father's command. And we need to be the exact same way with Jesus. It's not so much about doing things for Jesus. We have to get past that. We have to understand that our life as Christians, our job as Christians, yes, we are going to serve God and we are going to do great things for him, but our role is not to do. We are human beings, not human doings. We have to get this through our head because if we look at creation, God created us and he didn't create us to do things for him. Because let's be real, God, God didn't need us to do things for him. God didn't create us as worker bees. He didn't say, hey, I want to create all these humans, this whole species to come do stuff for me. He didn't need that. He created this whole earth, everything we see around us for us. But he created us to be with him, not to do for him. This is where we, we get it so confused in the church. We feel like true faith is just constantly doing things for Jesus. Now, let's make a distinction. True faith will empower you and will you to want to do things for Jesus because you want to serve him and you want to fulfill his commissions. But true faith isn't just doing things. True faith is being with Jesus and understanding what that being looks like. And that being looks like intimacy with Christ. We can go our whole life doing things for Jesus, but completely miss the relational part of it. I think there's another interesting story that's in the gospels. 
where we see this lame man on the side of the road and he needs help. And a church official walks by him. A priest walks by him. Different people that are going to do things for Jesus. Church officials probably going to church or coming from church. He's serving God, but he walks past a man that is in need. We get caught up in this same way where we're, we're trying to do so many things for Jesus. And I keep hammering this point because it's important. We have to stop having a mindset that is doing and have a mindset that, that, that is being. Because before we can have any functional romantic relationship, we have to be able to have a functional relationship and intimacy with Jesus because what we grab from our relationship with Jesus is what we bring in to our relationship with others. We want to be like him. We want to reflect him. Well, if we don't know how to do that, how are we going to be good stewards of that in romantic relationship? We look at, at our favorite verse in the book of Matthew. It says we are to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And then also we are to love others. Now, the distinction here is until we learn how to love God and how to receive love from God, we can only love others and love ourselves to the extent that we know how to love God. So if we never learn how to have intimacy with God, if we never learn how to love God properly, the love that we're bringing into our relationships will not be a godly love and it will not be a lasting love. And God doesn't want that for you. God creates a model of love that is Christ Jesus and he places that in front of us and he places that in our life the second that we are saved, we receive the Spirit, so we receive him in us and he is just continually, continually modeling love. And we're supposed to grab that and grasp it and find that intimacy and pursue that intimacy and get to know Jesus on a relational level and, and start to have that closeness, that proximity with Jesus in scripture and prayer and quiet time so that we are learning from him and we are learning from his love and we are examining character traits and characteristics of Jesus in scripture so we can bring those things into relationship. It's aim, it's preparing, it's practicing. We can't just say, God, I have faith in you. I love you. That's good. Put me in a relationship. You won't know how to do anything. I want to dive in to Ecclesiastes for a second. And this is Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 and 10. Let me get to her real quick. Ecclesiastes 4. Verses 9 and 10. This is the good part. You're going to like this. So we know Jesus. We have gained that intimacy with Jesus. Now we have to understand what he wants from us in a relationship. Because like I said earlier, it's not God's will for us to be alone. It never has been. He's not saying go your whole life doing all these things for me and don't worry about relationships. He's saying, I want you to do these things and I want you to serve me and love me and have intimacy with me. But also I've created things for you, like this world, but also like marriage, like covenant, like relationship, like sex, like we talked about. He's created these things for us. So he wants these things for us and he wants relationship in our life. This is Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine and then verse 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. 
Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. So we hear now two is better than one. Jesus is telling us, hey, you want to have that closeness, that, that covenant, that two, because it is better than being alone. But what you're bringing into that two starts when you are alone. And that's what we need to grab. That's what I want you to grab from this. Everything that you're doing now in your singleness is, is what you're bringing in to a dating relationship. Don't think that when you get into a dating relationship, everything's going to be solved. When you begin dating, all dating is going to do is it's going to expose how well you did in your singleness. Think about it this way. How well do you know you? right? You have friends, you have people in your life, but they never know everything about you because they only know what you've told them, what they've seen from you. Think about how well you know yourself. You know, every thought you've ever had, everything you've ever done when you're alone, God knows you that same way. Now, when you get into relationship, when you pursue marriage, you begin to share all of that with someone else. They begin to know you in that way. That's what dating and that's what marriage is going to do. It's going to expose your singleness, expose what you learned, expose what you practice. We wonder why so many of these relationships go horribly wrong or horribly south. I propose that it isn't a dating problem at all. It was a singleness problem because if we take our singleness and we treat it haphazardly, we're going to bring that same haphazard nature into the way we date and that same haphazard nature into the way we get married. And we wonder why our divorce rate is almost out of one out of every two people. It's because if we treat every other step haphazardly, why do we assume when we get into marriage, it's suddenly gonna be this covenant that we start to take seriously when we never took the steps before it seriously either. We have to understand that no one is ever going to take the place of God because I've identified this in so many relationships, even the relationships that I've been in, is that... We're like, yeah, I have this intimacy with Jesus. I love Jesus. He's amazing. But the second we bring somebody else into the mix, that person begins to get the affection, the love, and the care that we were giving to Jesus, and Jesus takes a back seat. It's like when you and your best friend, you do everything together. You guys are all, he's always riding shotgun. She's always riding shotgun in your car. You guys are just having the best time of your life. You're always going out and going to movies, going to hang out, going to the mall. But the second you get a girlfriend, suddenly your friend's in the back seat while you guys are just all lovey-dovey. And he's suddenly a third wheel. That's how Jesus feels a lot of times when we get into a relationship. He's like, man, you love me so much. You spent so much time with me. And then this woman came into your life and and maybe he brought her into your life. And he's like, I I gave you this wonderful thing. I prepared you. You totally forget about who ordained that relationship in the first place. You totally forget about who brought you that person, who loves that person. And that's idolatry, which is sinful. But idolatry is going to ruin your relationships. That's why it is so important to remember that no matter what relationship you get in, you still need to have an individual connection and individual line to Jesus. I look at it like a triangle. You are one of the bottom and the person you're wanting to date is one of the other bottom corners, but that top, that peak, that point is still God. Now notice how there's a line coming from God to one side and a line coming from another. There's an individual line on both sides that just runs between God and you or God and that person. You will always have that individual line, but there's also a line on the bottom and that connects you to with God above you. So you guys have your relationship together that is ordained by God, that God is central and intricately placed in the middle of that he is feeding both of you and you are learning together as a couple, but you are also both still in charge of these individual lines that you have with God that you have to keep up. That means that's your own quiet time that you have with God. You don't only read your Bible with her or with him. 
That's your own prayer life that you have with God. Because until the ring is on that person's finger, you are still single. Even when you are engaged, you are still single. You are still in charge of yourself. There is no covenant until marriage. And to be honest, if you look in the Old Testament, the true sign of covenant wasn't even marriage. What we do now, the reception, the ring, none of that was in the original plot of marriage. The only thing that solidified covenant and that gained oneness in flesh and spirit and mind was the act of sex. So until you are married and you have had sex with that person, that is when you become one in flesh. But until then, you need to have an individual connection with God. Because scenario, let's say you break up and you had an individual connection with God, but the second you, you joined with that person, there was no longer a triangle. It was just a straight line from you guys to God. Your relationship filtered through him together. When you leave, big X mark across the line, what does your relationship with God look like? I use this with my middle schoolers. It's a number system, right? God is number one, obviously. Put that on a mug in a Christian coffee shop. God is number one. And then that person can be two, three, four. It doesn't matter what they are. Priorities in your life will tell that. But no matter what, God is number one. So if you lose two, three, four, five, six, you still have your number one. What we do is we like to put that person at number one and we move God down to three or four. So when we lose that person, we lost the most important thing in our life and now we're having to recover. Whereas if God had been at first in the beginning, we wouldn't have to be recovering. We would just be recuperating with our number one, which is the Lord. And we would have that intimacy with him where he's like, hey, I know this relationship didn't go the way you want to. Let's self-reflect, let's introspect, let's figure out why. But we still have this beautiful relationship where we can have that communication. A lot of times when we start dating, we totally shut off that communication with God. And when we break up, we go to him, we're like, God, where were you? He's like, hey, I haven't talked to you in a while. So understand that you need the intimacy with Jesus before the relationship, but you need to sustain that intimacy with Jesus even when you're in the relationship. I want to present a couple things to you guys to take a little bit of a turn. And these are some things that I wrote down that I believe we need to achieve, find, and have before we start putting ourselves out there and, and, and seeking relationship. Now, I'm going to speak to the guys for a second. Here's what you have to realize. Guys, as men, obviously, there, there is roles that have been given to us straight from God. Now, disclaimer... A lot of times when we start talking about roles, men, what they hear is, we know women are supposed to submit to men. Men are the leader and the leaders of the household. So men are like, I'm the leader, I'm in charge. That's not what that means. It's leading by example, not by control, not by force. But also, a woman gets the choice to submit to you. You can't force submission just the same way you can't force respect. So you have to be a man that is worthy of having someone submit to you. Rich Wilkerson talks about this in a sermon. He says, hey, I don't force Don Cherie, my wife, to submit. She loves me and she respects my leadership and she honors me enough and she knows my relationship with God enough where she willingly submits to me because she trusts me. So men, let's not run with that submission thing. You have to be worthy of submittance. You have to be a leader. And this all starts in your singleness because you know when you're stepping into a dating relationship, when you're stepping into something that's in pursuit of marriage, you're stepping into a role of leadership. She still has her own individual relationship with God until you're married. That's when you really step into that leadership, but you are developing that leadership in a dating relationship. You are helping keep them on track. 
you are helping them pursue their relationship. But that's also to speak to my women for a second. This does not discount your role in a relationship either. But just because the man is a leader of the house, that does not mean that he is somehow over you. I think it's interesting because when we see Adam and then Eve is born out of Adam's side, right? Not out of Adam's feet, so he's above her. Not out of Adam's brain, so she's above him. Out of his hip, right next to him, side by side, because they're equal. It's equality in that. I said it right at the beginning. There are differences that men and women have that make it so it's so perfect for them to be together. There are things that women possess that men don't have the ability to emotionally possess and have and keep. That's why it flows so well together. So yes, a man is the leader of the house. The woman is to submit to the man, but they are still equal. The man is to love the woman the way that God loved the church. And we are the church. We are called the holy body, a holy temple. If you look in Samuel, if you look in 1 Peter, so we are to love women the same way God loves us. Man is supposed to love his wife the same way that God loves the church, loves us, loved Israel. That's a serious kind of love. And love is sacrifice. Love is lowering yourself and raising someone above you. So just as much as women are submitting to men, men are also still submitting to women. So let's dive in to the three things that I believe that men and women need to identify and pursue before they ever look to a relationship. And the first one is calling. Now, calling is twofold. Calling is twofold because we have a primary calling, like they talk about in theology, and then we have a vocational calling. Our primary calling comes from Matthew 28. We all know it. It's the Great Commission. We are to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Spirit. And notice how Matthew says all nations. That is our that is our primary calling before anything else. It is to spread the gospel, to spread the news of Jesus, to talk about Jesus' resurrection, what Jesus did on that cross, the atonement for our sins. That is our primary calling. No matter what we do, no matter where we go, we are called to do that from the moment that we find Jesus to the moment that we die. That is something that we are all called to do. It isn't a just some of you, just the ones that are good at speaking, just the ones that are good at conversation, just the social, just the extroverts. That, that's everyone. That's our calling, the Great Commission. Now, we have a secondary calling or a vocational calling, and that is what specifically God has gifted and willed you to do. Now, we have to be good stewards of the gifts that God gives us because God places individual and unique gifts inside of each of us that he wants us to use to bring glory back to him. Whether that's preaching, whether that is teaching, whether that's something that's not in the church at all, we have a vocational calling. Those are two things that I believe God wants us to access and wants us to find and start pursuing before we ever bring somebody into the mix. And here's why I say this. For the primary calling, for the Great Commission, if we don't know how to fundamentally spread the word of God and understand the greatest call he's given us, how can we ever lead someone else? How can we ever be in submittance to someone else when we're not first submitting to God? Because submitting to God is being obedient to what he commands of us and what he commands of us is to spread the Great Commission. So until you can do that, until you can spread the gospel and share the gospel and be obedient to that first call, how can you be obedient to anything else he's put in your life? The secondary calling, the vocational calling, this is more opinion. This is not distinctly spread from the word. This is what I've seen and what I've read and what I've heard. And Solomon is one of the wisest men in scripture, and, and he hints at this in Proverbs, we are to find 
the calling that the Lord has placed on us individually, that, that vocational, that specific calling that is contingent on gifting, the importance of finding it before a relationship is so that we know it is what God wants us doing. There's no outside influence from, oh, well, I want to live here, or I want us to do this. A lot of times that's what's going to push you towards the person you're supposed to be with. It's real. It's transparent. If God has gifted me to go into missions and has called me to, to go to Africa and spend 10 years there planting churches, and then God has gifted a girl that I like to be a teacher in Charlotte, North Carolina, our, our gifting, our, our calling, it, it doesn't align. Now, if we are already tied together, if we are already married before I even discover my calling, if God gives me this amazing call to be obedient to him and walk out into that mission field, I can't do that now. I'm not saying the Lord wouldn't be able to will you to do other things, but what I am suggesting is that you want to know what God wants you to do before it becomes what God wants us to do. Because sometimes we'll go our entire lives missing the calling that God individually placed on us because we're always so focused on everyone else. The second thing I want us to hit on, it stems out of the first one, and that is identity. We need to find our identity and know what our identity is before we bring somebody else into the mix. And here's why. If you go into a relationship not knowing your identity, your identity will begin to become a distinction out of who that person is. You'll begin to find your identity and who they are and the affirmation and validation that they give you and what they present to you. If you don't know that your identity is in Jesus and it is something that's firm and that will never change no matter who is in a relationship with you, then you're going to miss one of the most crucial and important parts of the gospel. And that is that Jesus didn't just die for us because he wanted to save us from our sins, but he died for us because he loves us passionately. He loves each and every one of us passionately. And he, and he did that because he wanted us to be able to live and to walk into what he has for us, knowing that our identity is found solely in what he did and in who he is. So many of us are lonely. So many of us are confused about what we are, who we are. And it's because we, we consistently search and search for our identity and everything that isn't consistent instead of looking for the one thing that is steady and is firm and is consistent, and that's God. We're so used to seeking validation and an identity from people, from job titles, from checks. And... We can do our, spend our entire life doing that. We can spend our entire life searching for identity in things that are just as broken as us. But God says, hey, I want you to know who you are in me. Because, ladies, this is a disclaimer. Nothing is more of a red flag than a man, or even a woman for men, that does not know their identity. That is searching for identity in everything else because they're going to start to find their identity in you they're going to become very dependent on you that attachment that will that will begin they will have that's where the no personal relationship with god comes from because their only relationship is between you and god you will become an idol in their life because they're seeking their validation and their affirmation from you alone that's why it's so important to find your calling but also know your identity when you know your identity you're more susceptible to finding your calling and vice versa and the third one is standards this is an easy one. Standards, right? When you know your calling, when you know what the Lord wants you to do, when you've dug into scripture and you know your identity and you know who you are, you can begin to develop standards. And what the standards look like is saying, I know what the Lord wants from me. 
I know what the Lord has in store for me. I know what I'm looking for. Standards helps you to figure out what you're looking for. So that not just any old person can walk in and walk into a relationship with you. When you start to develop these standards and you start to develop what they are and what they look like, that's when you are able to truly be able to focus in and zone in on the person that God has for you, right? And standards are something that comes straight from scripture. For men, you can look in Proverbs 31 and there's an extensive list of what a godly woman looks like. And women, you have it a little bit easier because you can look straight at the character of Jesus. Men, you can do this for women as well. But if you look in 1 Corinthians 13, everything that Jesus is, those are standards that we want a man to reflect. Women, you know a man is a leader. A man is someone who is going to be leading your household, who's going to be raising and fathering your kids. You have to begin to set standards of somebody, somebody that's pursuing holiness, somebody that's pursuing purity. There is all these things we can look for and search for and find and help us develop our standards. Know what you deserve. Know what you need. I can get real transparent with you guys and I'll give you, I'll give you some of my standards just so you can see what that looks like. For me, I'm going into ministry. I'm going into vocational ministry, working in a church. So I know that whoever the person that God has for me is, they're going to need to be someone who is okay being a pastor's wife, who is willing to step into that ministry side by side with me, hand in hand with me and minister to people alongside me. It can't be someone who never wants to work in a church, never wants to be in a church. That's a practical standard. Now, I could also provide for you a holy standard. A holy standard is me saying, if I look in Proverbs 31, I need a woman with strength and a woman with integrity because those are what's going to raise my kids. It's a holy standard. That is something that Jesus and then Solomon reiterates in Proverbs, this is what a godly woman looks like. And you are aligning yourself with the truth that is scripture. I don't want to digress and I don't want to dive anywhere else besides this topic. What I do want to finish you guys with is just the notion that adding someone to your life in a dating relationship, that's not what's going to fill you. That's just going to help you a mutual benefit. You will help each other pursue sanctification. That is what relationship is. It is joining together with someone and helping them to pursue holiness and they're helping you to pursue holiness. You can't have an expectation that that person's going to complete you. That person's going to fill you. I know we love romance movies like, oh, she completes me. He completes me. That's a facade. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be rough. It's going to be hard, but you need someone who loves you enough to help you pursue purity, to help you pursue holiness, to help you walk into the calling that you want to walk into, but also have that same expectation out of you. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If any one of them falls down, one can help the other up. When you fall, whether it be physically, emotionally, they're there. And vice versa, you're there. That is what dating relationship looks like. And until you have gone through everything that singleness is, you're not prepared to dive into that dating relationship. I'm going to get real and transparent with you guys the last couple minutes because I don't want us to miss this. Like I said at the beginning, we have too many single people that are not ready to be in relationships, but are spending all of their life 
chasing after relationships where if they just chase after a relationship with Jesus and sit still, he would provide. But men, when they learn to have aim and goals, it says in Proverbs, the woman that we're looking for, she'll be hidden. She won't be somebody that's coming up to a party. She's a woman that's going to be hidden because she knows that she is going to be pursued by a godly man. If a woman isn't in scripture, if a woman isn't ready to date, she won't be ready and the man won't know how to pursue her. There are things we don't know how to do that are critical in a relationship that we're going to completely miss because we did not pay enough attention, pay enough effort and pay enough time into our singleness. I know relationships are amazing. I know we look on Instagram, we look on TV, we see our Sadie Robs and our Christian Huffs and we're like, man, I want that. But it didn't start like that. It took work. It took individual pursuit of Jesus. And everyone will have that, God willing, in their own timing. We try to speed up God's timing because we want something, but we're not ready. Maybe God hasn't provided it for you yet because he knows you're not ready. He knows there's more from you. So instead of being upset, being mad, chase growth. I implore you, we are imperfect. In our imperfection, that means that we will never be perfect. And a result of the fact that we will never be imperfect means that there will always be something that we can grow in. There will always be something that can be cultivated in us. There will always be something that God can prune out of us. So for us to sit in a season and say, I'm waiting for a relationship. I'm waiting for God to do this. I'm good. You're never good. There's always more for you. And we've been given a, a vocational calling and a primary calling that no matter what is happening in our lives relationally, we can pursue. People ask me all the time. They're like, why don't you have a girlfriend? And to be real, I don't know yet. I'm still waiting. I'm still praying. But you know what I'm not doing? I'm not sitting in complacency. I'm saying God has given me a calling and that's to share the Great Commission. So I'm going to do that on Instagram. I'm going to do that on TikTok. I'm going to do that in public at coffee shops. But God's also given me a vocational calling and that is ministry. I'm going to work in a church. I'm going to apply at churches. I'm going to travel sharing the gospel. I'm going to do the things that I'm called to do that I know I'm called to do no matter what or who is with me. And when God wants to provide, when God sees fit, I'll be able to pursue someone. But until then, I'm going to focus on what he's put in front of me. There is no great commission of dating that says that thou needs to go find a person immediately. That is not part of the great commission. That is not part of any of our calling. It's something that God has blessed us with and wants us to have. When we begin to place that before our original calling, before our primary calling, that is to make believers and to spread Jesus and to help people far from God experience God in new ways. When we miss that, we're missing an integral part of the word and of scripture and of the gospel and a foundation of your faith. I know I just tossed a whole lot at you guys in a very short amount of time. My throat hurts. I'll be real with you. My throat hurts a little bit. But I'm glad that we get to sit here in this intimacy and have these conversations. And I'm thankful for you guys listening. I'm thankful for your guys' feedback and the DMs and the comments and the messages. I don't take it for granted. I'm not numb to it. This platform is solely solely belonging to the Lord. And the second I think it's mine or I think I've done anything to deserve it, he'll take it away just as fast. So I just want this platform to continue to be a thing where the Lord can deliver and speak through me and through guests and through others. And hopefully we can learn something. 
that is my prayer is that we can learn, we can grow together. And we can talk about some of this stuff that the church doesn't always talk about. It's one thing to fall into sin because we actively chose flesh over faith, but it's another thing to fall into sin simply because we weren't aware or we didn't know. I never want that to happen. So I always want us to be aware and I always want us to know. So that's what this podcast exists to do. So I leave you after saying all of that with this simple thing. Take time in your singleness. Take time to learn about yourself. Take time to learn about Jesus, to pursue him, to build a relationship with him. Don't stress. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about the timing of when God's going to bring you that someone. I promise it's in his hands. And I promise when you try to force his timing, it's not going to work out. So work with what he's put in front of you, what he's called you into, the opportunities he's given you. And the rest is going to fall into place. And if it doesn't, when you thought it was going to or when you wanted it to, you can know that even though it's not what you wanted, it's what God wanted. And we can find peace in that. A lot of times God closes doors and we're really good at seeing the door closed in our face, but we're not as good about taking a step back, finding perspective and knowing that simultaneously doors are open down the road that we just have to have faith are there. So have faith in that. Truly. I love y'all. Thankful for y'all. And I pray that this message speaks to you. This word speaks to you and that you guys can continue the conversation. There will be a week too, just later on. But until then, prayers up, rhythm high, big love. That's what we say at Elevation Youth. Hopefully somebody gets to hear that. But yeah, man, I love y'all. Have a good one. Hey, I am so glad you listened to my episode. Thank you. I appreciate your support. I love you. Jesus loves you. I'm praying for you. If you need any specific prayer needs or anything else, you can always DM me at the Jesus Talks podcast on Instagram. Have a great day.